Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. But here we go. Today, I just want to talk just for a short time. And um, in this moment, I, I don't know if you've noticed that the world in some way seems to be imploding on itself. Anyone notice that? There's a few things happening around the world. There's a few demonstrations. There's a there's this thing called a pandemic that is sweeping across a few nations. And, and, and it's just like, you know, you're, you're looking and it's like, it's just lost. There's a world that is lost. It is hurting. It's looking for hope. And, and friend, today I want to say this. The only hope for the world is Jesus. You know, these things will come and go. Seasons will come and go. But I, I love it that our Savior, Jesus, has always been here. God has always been the same. He never changes. He is the answer that the world is looking for. He is the answer. Do you realize that? Is that you have the answer. Each and every one of us has the answer. And and so today I want to just really share for a moment, because if we're going to bring change, that change first must come within us. If we are going to bring hope to a world that right now is bound by fear. And and let me tell you this, friend, is that, you know, fear will grip people's heart, and when fear grips people's heart, it tends to cripple people. You know, I I believe as Christians we should be concerned, but not gripped by fear. You know, Jesus was always filled with compassion. He always was concerned for the lost. He was always concerned for the hurting. You and I, friend, we are supposed to be concerned but not gripped by fear. Because when we're gripped by fear, we can't release faith. I love that we have the Savior of the universe. We have the answer. But if we're going to bring this answer first, it must change within us. If we're going to bring a cultural revolution, if we're going to bring, we're going to create culture, If we're going to create a better future, the change first must come from us. It first must come from us. I love Jesus. He said this statement. He said, my command is this, is love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Jesus himself said, hey, lay down my life. Today's culture is identity with individualism self-gratification and moral relativism you think about it having my needs met is more important than meeting the needs of others friend that is not kingdom thinking that is not the kingdom's way this is not the way that God has called each and every one of us to live he calls us to live a life of community of humility of living as he commanded, that we would love one another, as that we would speak hope into people's lives. As Christians, we should never react to culture, we should always create culture. We should never live in fear, but we should live in faith, in the possibility that God has everything in the palm of his hand. Friends, today, that's how I live. I, I live in this realm where, you know what, naturally, it can be chaos. But in turn, I know that God has everything in the palm 
of his hand. He has everything. As Christians, we are called to bring peace. We are called to bring faith, hope, righteousness, trust, integrity, honor. But friend, we'll bring it through servanthood. We'll bring it through servanthood. Martin Luther King Jr. made this statement. He said, a a genuine leader is not a searcher for consensus, but a molder of consensus. He's a molder of consensus, not a searcher. The world is all about position. The kingdom is all about servanthood. You know, don't get me wrong. Position isn't bad. But what's the motive in order to have the position? What is the motive behind the position? What is the reason? You know, as Christians, we are called to be a molder of consensus. We are called to bring hope to a world where there is no hope. We are called to create culture, not react to culture. Friend, today, but that first starts within us, within what we believe. You know, if we're going to change our nation, if we're going to change the world, it first starts within us, then it starts within our family, then it starts within our community. You know, the devil has an assignment against family. He has an assignment against fatherhood. He has an assignment against motherhood. And he knows that if he can break down a family unit, he can divide and conquer. This term, social distancing, sounds nice. I don't agree with social distancing, but I agree with physical distancing. We are called to physical distance, not social distance. We were made for connection. We were made for community. Hear me on this. Keep the 1.5. Yes, that's fine. But socially be in people's lives. Socially be connected to those around you. Socially be there when they need help, when they need a time. But but today I just want to share for this moment. So if we're going to bring the change, the first place it starts is in our lives and in our prayer lives. In our prayer lives. You know, when Jesus had a moment where he heard that John the Baptist had lost his head. His cousin was just murdered, executed by Herod. Jesus hears the news. Now that circumstance, that moment, who who knows that sometimes you can expect or you know something's going to happen, but until that moment happens, it hits you like a ton of bricks. And we find in the scriptures that when Jesus hears about this, it says he pulled away. In Matthew 14, 13 to 14, it says, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitude place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. And when Jesus landed and saw the large crowds, he, was, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. I, I look at this statement as that Jesus found out, he pulls away. And what does he do? He goes to prayer. He goes to prayer. He goes to this moment of just seeking his Father. He goes to this moment, and and sometimes, friend, naturally the world will feel heavy. Naturally circumstances. But what we've got to realize is that our answer is in the Spirit. Our answer is in another realm. 
And Jesus, he knew this. He knew the time. You know, physically, his cousin was taken. It hurt. There was pain. He drew away. Why did he draw, draw away? Because he needed strength. Why did he draw away? Because he needed to spend time with the Father. Right now, I don't know what situation you're in. For some of you, it could be awesome. For others, it could be just like, you're struggling. You're in a moment of that time of what is going on? Friend, pull away. Pull away. Jesus' response was phenomenal because he pulls away, he spends time with the Father, he's grieving within himself. But he doesn't disconnect doesn't disconnect in that time, he still sees the need. Jesus was moved with compassion as soon as he hit the shore again. He saw the multitudes and not by his personal trauma. He was moved with compassion for the multitudes and not by his personal trauma that was around his life. I read through this scripture and I'm amazed that he spends time in solitude, but then all of a sudden he steps back up. His cause was always greater than his pain. Whenever Jesus went, he created a culture of faith, no matter what he was going through. No matter what he was going through, and that place that he found was in a place of solitude, was in a place of prayer. It was a time where he pulled away in a private moment. Friend, today, if we're going to see culture change within our life and with our family, it's going to start with prayer. It's going to start with prayer. Ephesians 6, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh, against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Martin Luther King again said, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Jesus won the battle for you and I on his knees. In the garden, he said, in the garden of Eden, before he was to go to the cross, he cries out to God, he says, hey, not my will, but your will be done. It was in a place of solitude. They have the Last Supper. He pulls away. He asks three, his, his disciples to pray. They, they fall asleep. He moves on ahead. You know, he's there. He's sweating. The Bible says he's sweat. He's, in, he's just in agony. But through his pain, he's like, God, in this place, I know that you will strengthen me. I know that you will carry me through. But God, right now, not my will, but your will. Friend, today, for our families, for our loved ones, for our community, are you on your knees? Like, honestly, I've got four kids, and I've got two teenage girls almost. One and a half. I need all the prayer I can get. Honestly. Like, everyone's like, boys are easy. Girls are easy. Uh, well, I don't know. I'll tell you when the boys go through. But the girls right now, whoo. And I've got good ones. I feel sorry for... Anyway, but I won't go there. 
I feel sorry for you, three boys. <laughs> but there's these moments where we just need to, how much more, if Jesus himself pulled away to pray, how much more do we need to pray? How much more do we need to just pull away and strengthen ourselves in the spirit so that in the natural we can carry? On his knees. Today, friends, fathers, mothers, grandparents, how much time do you spend in prayer? How much time do you spend in prayer? If we're going to see wholeness, if we're going to see hope come to our nation, friend, it starts in the family unit. It starts in the family unit. It starts where we position our kids. It starts what we pray over our kids, what we declare over our kids. Grandparents, it, it starts with you. And maybe the family doesn't follow Jesus. Maybe they're not Christians. Maybe they don't have the same moral foundations that you have, the spiritual foundations that you have, but friend, with those grandkids, when they're on your knee, prophesy over them. Declare favor and blessing. Declare a hope. Declare a future. Declare right standing. Friend, if we're going to see our loved ones, if we're going to see our nation turn, it starts with prayer. I love that we get to honor Phil. Phil, how about you come up here? Do I have to again? Yes, you do. Because it actually starts with prayer. Come on, please have a seat. This is called a mic. I know, I'm putting the pressure on you, Dad. Honestly, I love sitting with some of these middle-aged guys. <laughs> hearing the stories, hearing the lives. And we honoured Phil today, because he's awesome. <laughs> but some of us don't realise this. He's a natural father. Ben was playing drums. Now your grandparents age grandparents you get to love your kids but then also too he's a spiritual father a spiritual father that is actually changing a nation bringing hope bringing life for 10 years you guys have been over there on the border Thailand and Burma what have you been doing Speaking in the lives of young ones. Yeah, go, do it, mate. You go. I'm waiting. I'm just. Yeah, so I just. Uh, we've been working on the Burmese border and just working with youth. Um, we don't know what's happening in Burma. We've got the, so much political unrest going on. Um, the Burmese government just murdering different people groups because they don't like them. They're escaping into Thailand. Around us, there's like um, nine refugee camps. Some of them, there are up to 50, 60,000 people in each of them. Um, there's 72 
be scorned for the kids in our area. A lot of them are uh, graduating from school, but they don't um, have any recognition in Thailand. They can't go back to Burma. There's no work. Uh, facing uh, suicide, drug abuse. Um, probably one of the biggest areas for sex trafficking. So it's like, yeah, it's just a real privilege to, to work with these people. said this morning, it sounds nice, but really the people that we're working with, our staff, they're the ones that encourage us. Um, they're much greater Christians than what we are. They, they love God, they serve much harder than we do. We just sort of sit around and <laughs> pretend that we're in charge and, and tell them what to do. And, and they do everything else. So it's, it's just a real privilege to be a part of it. But probably what I would say as fathers, it's just so important, I think, to have a vision for your life, for your family, for God's purpose. That's where it's at. If you just want to live through life and cruise through and get to the end, wow. it's all wasted. You've got to have a vision for your family. Can, even for our grandkids, sometimes we go, oh, we should, should just stop now. But no, we've got grandkids coming up. They need to see our vision. They need to see what they can do for God and give them opportunity to do that. I love is that you spend hours in prayer. <laughs> lifetime. A lifetime of prayer. Praying, believing. It starts with the family. And then it moves on to the community. And then it changes nations. This is what we're talking about. This is why the family unit is so important. This is why families are so important. And so today, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what your family is like. And I understand not every family is whole. Not every family is healed. But friend, today, Jesus brings that healing. In the, in the midst of a mess, he brings his glory. And he can bring wholeness within that mess. So today, I'd love, and the first thing is it starts with prayer. And I'd love for us right now is that I'd love for Phil, if you could just pray over the men, over the families, over our community this morning, just before we move on to the next. No pressure. Okay, Father, Lord, just, uh, we just want to pray and, and just stand before you this morning, Lord. We just thank you for the blessing that you've been to, to all of us as men. Lord, without you, we, we just would be struggling through life, but we just thank you for what you do for us. Lord, I just pray for a vision over every family, over every father. And Lord, it's not that, that you just give us vision, but Lord, that we'd be seeking your vision because you always have a vision for us. And Lord, I pray for each family member, each father, Lord, to be, uh, just receive a word from you about what their vision is, the direction to go in for the future. Lord, we just pray as fathers in this, this church, in this community, out into the world during the week, Lord, that we will have that influence that changes people's lives, that changes the kingdom, uh, builds the kingdom, Lord, and, and yes, we just see blessing come out of this place, Lord, because of the vision you have over our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Phil.
I think for some of us, we've got to realize is that the Jamis do that off their own bat. That's their mission, that's their vision for their family. If you want to get involved, get involved. Get involved with stuff like that. I guarantee you won't have any less. You always have more. And so today, friend, what I would say is when you're on your knees, it's not my will, it's his will. Well, God, what, what's your will for my life? What's your, God, right now, this situation, this thing that you've given me, it, it's this big, I, I can't do it in my own strength, but God, right now, take it from me. But if you don't take it from me right now, it's okay. It's okay, but just give me the strength. Breathe upon me so that I can carry this load. Today, friend, what is the desire of your heart? It all starts in prayer. It all starts at the foot of the cross. It all starts at that moment where you realize who our Savior is. It all starts at that moment where you realize what he's actually done for you, what he's saved you out of and into, out of death and into life, out of despair and into hope out of dysfunction and into wholeness. That's what the Spirit of God brings. And it all happens at the cross. Friend, today, if you've never come to that place of knowing Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to give you an opportunity later. Because when you come to Him, and He is a heavenly Father, from the beginning of time, His desire has always been to connect with His creation. Friend, he has chosen you, but he leaves it up to us to choose him. From the beginning of time, in the Garden of Eden, his desire was to always walk. Walk with humanity, walk with his sons and daughters. Today, friend, he wants to walk with you. The second thing that it's going to take, it's going to take us as Christians being able to stand. Being able to stand. Winston Churchill, I love his statement, you have enemies, good. That means you've stood up for something sometime in your life. If you've got no enemies, get a life. Ephesians 6, 10 to 13, talks about the whole armor of God. It says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Be able to stand. Go down to 13. It says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil days. And having done all, stand. Having done all, stand. You know, I hate the saying. I don't know if you've heard the saying. If you're not moving forward, you're going nowhere. Everyone's heard that saying. You know, it's true in some things. But sometimes you just have to rely on God and not waver. This takes standing. Human nature is that we want to fix it ourselves. Anyone else like that? It's like, God, there is a problem. God, why haven't you fixed it? Well, God, you're not going to do anything about it. I'm going to go and fix it ever tried fixing it themselves? 
knows that blows up in your face real bad. And then you go back to giving God his job. But there's these, those moments. You know, standing is not a sign of weakness. Standing is a place where you hold your ground, you bear weight, you are noticed. Standing is a, and this is the thing, when you stand, people see you. When you stand, people see the weight that you carry. You know, when you stand, people know that they can trust you because you're immovable. Friends, today, as Christians, we are called to stand. We are called to fight. But sometimes when you fight, there comes a time where naturally nothing's moving, nothing's open, where you've just got to go, God, right now, I'll stand on your word. God, right now, I'll stand on your promise. God, right now, I don't know what the kids are doing. I don't know this cert, but God, I'm just going to stand. My circumstance right now looks like I'm just going to get wiped out, but God, I'm just going to stand. I'm just going to stand on your word. You know, as I read through Ephesians 6, I can't help but notice where the verse about putting on the armor of God is located in this last chapter. It's the chapter after, wives submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. In other words, husbands, die. Be prepared. I won't even go about wives submit. It's, they've got the easy job. You've got to die. That's all I'm saying. The two shall collide and become one flesh. Who read that? Children, honour your mother and father. It's these things that are before this. In other words, it's like Paul is saying, you know, if you're going to raise a godly family, you need help. You need all the help you can get. You know, it's going to be hard. You better be ready to fight. But if all fails, you've just got to stand. If all fails, if little Johnny isn't doing what he's asked, get on your knees. And if it still doesn't work, you've just got to stand. You've just got to stand. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 to 14. Watch stand steadfast. Watch stand fast in faith. Be brave. Be strong. Let all be done with love. When you stand, do it with love. Do it with love. <laughs> Has anyone ever heard of tough love? Like, honestly, I was a kid in the 80s. We had tough love. I honor my dad for it. I'm glad he did what he did. But the whole tough love. Oh, we're called to make our kids happy. No, your job isn't just to make them happy. We're not raising children, we're raising adults. And I, I remember those moments where dad would come into the room and he'd always make this statement, now son, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. Anyone ever had their dad say that to them? It's going to hurt me more. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> I might be able to sit down after this. No, it's not. 
But I remember a time where two families and and they were friends of ours and they had a boat. And they had six in their family, we had six in ours, and so there were eight kids on this boat. And who knows, out in Moreton Bay, you're on a boat with six kids, that's a recipe for disaster. All the kids are under the age of, it would have been at least 11. And I remember this moment where one of the kids did something. I can't remember exactly what it was. Maybe they said the wrong thing. Maybe they said the shush word. I don't know what they did, but they did something. And their dad got up and was like, okay, son, below deck. The next minute we hear this lightly taps in today's day and age. And then we hear the kid yell out, hey, dad, dad, stop now. The devil's out now. The devil's out now. It's all good. <laughs> I remember those moments. I remember the tough laugh. I remember those things. It's, you can't buy that anymore. <laughs> you know, in these times, we need to stand. You know, the gospel, Jesus spoke about it. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, we see the decisions of loved ones and close friends. You know, they're making bad choices. We see how it affects them, but also the ripple effects that it has around them. In these times, we're called to love them. Stand there. In these times, we need to stand in faith, be brave, do the right thing, be strong. But above all else, it needs to be done in love. It needs to be done in love. Friend, today, if we're going to see our society change for the better, if we're going to see hope come, if we're going to see reformation, if we're going to see change naturally and spiritually over our nation, over our society, that change first must come in us. Come in us on our knees and our ability to stand. And then in turn, our young ones will see. Our young ones will follow. Our young ones will stand. Our young ones will declare. Our young ones will start to direct and shape world in which we live and change will come to a community. Galatians 6, 9 to 10. So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop. If we do not give up or quit right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all. The benefit of all starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. Today, friend, will you stand? Will you pray? Will you stand? Thank you for listening. We pray that this message empowers you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We would love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. 
You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We're so excited to see you there.